Hello, regular Drews. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Back again for another episode. Um, this is, what episode is this? 77? 76. 76. Mm-hmm. 76. Um, and we are going to be discussing today uh, Nancy Drew Mystery Stories number 60, The Greek Symbol Mystery. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well. Aren't you a regular Nancy Drew? I learned that from the Nancy Drew detective. Okay, go. You think you can follow the clues and solve the case of the missing condiment, Nancy Drew? He knows I've read every Nancy Drew mystery ever written. Nancy, please tell me you're joking. Wow, you suck at this Nancy Drew stuff. You should get a new hobby. My name is Carson Drew, and this is my assistant, Nancy. Nancy. Nancy Nancy Drew. It's curtains for you, Miss Drew. Nancy. Nancy Drew strikes again. A regular Nancy Drew. So I'll start by saying this one was published in 1981, and this is the 60th Nancy Drew mystery story. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also one of the last ones that Harriet Stradmeyer Adams ever worked on. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this, the next one, which is the Swami's something, the Swami's ring, um, that is the last one that she ever worked on. Um, And so this is her penultimate um, book. Um, So, yeah. Um... (laughs) Okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna break the ice, bite the bullet. Mm-hmm. It's not good. I yeah. didn't like it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really bad. Um, sorry to say, um, I I really, 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 really struggled to read this book. I found that um, it was pretty much almost completely incoherent. <laughs> um, I I'm tr- I mean, like I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> Which is like this. This is you being nice. Um, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I just they're just the plot. Um, there wasn't one, right? So <laughs> um, and it was very very confusing. Um, where they were, what they were doing, why they were doing the things they were doing did not make sense to me. No. Um, pretty much ever throughout the course of the book. So, yeah, it was very hard to read. I also felt like it was very much, even when, even considering past the plot, like the their kind of, um, their characterizations in this one felt very much like, um, white tourists go to a foreign country and decide that when people aren't being accommodating to them, it's their problem and not. (laughs) Oh yeah. A lot of entitlement here. (laughs) So, um, I just, yeah, it just felt like just not a good time at all. No, no. What do you think, Corey? (laughs) Uh, I can't even answer that without answering a different 
question first, I oh, think. Okay. So let me talk a little bit about the game that was inspired by this, Labyrinth mm-hmm. of Lies. So, um, <laughs> well, and we can say inspired kind of loosely here. We mm-hmm. said this before, but Her Interactive kind of tended in their earlier games to, to base a book kind of directly off of the source, or to base a game directly off of the source book. Um, later, later games, they did kind of just draw a few elements from the books and that and then, you you know, kind of built a mystery around that. It wasn't a direct adaptation. Um, of course, this was a later game. It was number 31 in the series. So it is, mm-hmm. I mean, I could definitely see what they pulled from the book here in order to, to get the game where some of the other games, it's like, oh, all that you yeah. pulled is just the setting. With this, we have, of course, the Greek setting. We have mm-hmm. the, um, the whole like uh, missing artifact from right? the museum thing. And then there's mm-hmm. also how freaking weird this book is um (laughs) this game it's i i'll be honest i enjoyed labyrinth of lies when i first played it it's not Mm -hmm. by any means the best game in the series which is totally fine but it's i've i've heard from a lot of fans that it it ranks really low for them just based off of how freaking weird and bizarre that game is just because like what do you mean there's real lava on the set of a theatrical play like what are you talking about (laughs) um this book is even worse than that like it makes less sense than the game so if that's yeah. where we're starting from, if you guys have played Labyrinth of Lies and you're like, oh, it's a real weird one. I don't like it because it's so bizarre and it doesn't make any sense. Uh, you're going to feel that tenfold for this book because it's just so, so out yeah. there. Yeah, no, oddly enough, like when I play Labyrinth of Lies, every time I expect that I'm going to understand it a little bit better. No. Um, <laughs> but I think every time I have replayed Labyrinth of Lies, I get more and more confused. Mm-hmm. Um I just, yeah, I remember the first time playing it being so just like, wait, what's happening? Where are we? (laughs) I remember you hated it when it first came out. You told me. I did. I did. And I mean, which is, I mean, okay. And and like now, of course, I'm in a much different place than I was when I played it. Um, But I think like it's a beautiful game. Sure. I think a lot of the puzzles were great. I think um, kind of the way that they did dialogue in that game was really good. Um, but just overall, the plot of it, I just couldn't. I, I was like, we get no, we get no help in trying to figure out what the heck is going on right. here. You really need it. You really, really need it. Um, but so yeah, so that's definitely what this book is. But I think maybe you are being a little bit generous when you say that, like. There's like the weirdness of that game that this book is tenfold. I almost don't even, I think that if it were like quote unquote weird, that I would enjoy it more than I did. I think there is like that this book is just so dry Mm -hmm. and so (sighs) nothing happens. I mean, like, if I wish there was real lava in this book to make me go, what the heck? Like, I wish that there was some weirdness in this book to make me, like, want to pay attention. Sure. But really, I felt like the whole thing was just just a confusing slog through they went shopping they met these people they went on this boat for no reason and yeah. they got off the boat for no reason and then like just just nothing just nothing kind of confusing confusing ball of nothing oh yeah well weird can be like charming weird and i think that the game is right. like charming weird but this book is, yes. is boring confusing weird which is yes. a, a very important distinction yeah yes yeah that's exactly it yeah 
Mm-hmm. And it's sad. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not here to talk about the game, obviously. No, That's not what no. we're here to talk about. Yeah. But I just thought I, it was worth mentioning that this did inspire that game. But ultimately, the similarities just lie with it. It's like... What is going on? And that's the mm-hmm. that's the limit of it. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I think, you know, now knowing that this was the book that that game was based off, I almost want to be like, like slow clap for the game because if they, they managed <laughs> to make something that was more, you know, coherent than this. Like, I, like props to them it was a really great idea to make Nancy a bigger part of the museum, make it about the museum instead of making it about whatever was going whatever on with this was, I don't know I still can't even tell you well they don't it's even tell be... you they don't even tell the reader till like a third or three-fourths no. of the way through until the, what the second mystery is oh and we don't even have the hardy boys in this one to make up for it at least the game featured the hardy boys like come on true. now <laughs> true true um yeah we're gonna this is gonna be a struggle to try to explain to y'all because I mean half the time I was just totally um unaware of what was actually happening. So um, I hope it's at least fun to listen to us <laughs> trying to explain. So first three words is confusing weirdness. That's the first one. Yeah. No, literally the first thing I wrote on like my, like I was thinking about what some of our three words could be. It was just what? Like just, yeah. what? <laughs> Why? Yeah. yeah, I like that Where? one. Where? <laughs> Who? Who? The amount of times that I read a name and I was like, who is that? In this, in this book. And Where it doesn't even have the excuse of like being like the super mystery of this. There's too many people. And that's why no. it's confusing to remember who no. was who. No. They just don't tell you until, like, until after the fact. It's wild, you guys. I listen. Okay. You guys know that we make this podcast because we are fans of Nancy Drew. We love Nancy Drew. We wouldn't be wanting to do this if, if Nancy Drew wasn't something that we loved so much. Don't read this book. Read something no. else. There are so many better ones out there than this. I love the illustrations in this book. Oh, um, they're gorgeous. But, yeah. But other than that, I I think you should pick a different, a different book to read. <laughs> Spare yourself. I think I honestly, I don't want to go so far as to say this. Yes, I do. I think this may be the worst Nancy Drew book I've ever read. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's really saying something. Yeah. Yeah. Even the girl detectives rank higher than this? Yes. Wow. Okay. Because at least that is a book. You know what I mean? You heard it here I don't... first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just don't understand how you can write a book like this and, how, and publish it. Like, I... You as Harriet Stratemeyer Adams, who is responsible (laughs) for so many wonderful, iconic Nancy Drew stories to then Mm -hmm. produce this. Produce this. I've read a lot of bad books. I've read a lot of bad books in my day. And a lot of bad books I love. Sure. You know, like really trashy romance novels, like dumb, dumb, dumb (laughs) YA stuff that I just love. I love. Yeah. This is so bad <laughs> that I can't, there's nothing in it for me to enjoy. And this is somebody who would watch, like, would watch Nancy Drew, like, paint her toenails. Like, I, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's, I would, I would, I suffer through a lot of Nancy Drew stuff that I don't think is good. 
this was a struggle, you know? It was like, reading it, it was like they'd forgotten to write parts of it into the book. Yes. It was like, how did we get here? Something massive is missing. We're missing a really large component of this story. And then they just never explain it. We're just Mm -hmm. supposed to pick it up on the way as we go. And I think, I mean, like, I, I... I don't like I don't know where the the issue is because it seems like a, an issue on like such a large level that it's like hard to like pinpoint because I want to say like it's an issue with the plot but so like when you think about the way that the Nancy Drew Nancy Drew books were written and produced there would be the outline right and then the ghostwriter would write it and then it would come back for edits and back and forth however many times it needed to right until it was the finished product, but I just, is the outline bad? Is the writing bad? Like, it just mm. feels like at every step of the way, there must've been a miss and then it didn't get edited at all. <laughs> and this is just what got sent out the door. Like, like what, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe this only needs one. Of the three words, just confusing weirdness. What? No, <laughs> what? Okay, I will say um, there were a lot of cute Greek boys in it. Okay. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> um, so maybe yeah. So the three words can be confusing. What's going on? Cute Greek boys, and then the Mediterranean Sea. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. That's um, it. Those are our three words. Well, okay. I like what you said about the art because, admittedly, it is gorgeous. So let's yes. let's have one high sure. note in this episode and talk yes. about this beautiful, beautiful cover. I just love this. So you have okay. So you have the same art here, but it's the flashlight edition. So it's just mm-hmm. zoomed in on Nancy's face. I do have the Wanderer edition of this book, where it is Nancy holding her artifact that she finds. We'll talk about that later. But she's just standing mm-hmm. amongst some ruins with, mm-hmm. I guess, what is Athens, like in the distance there. Yes. I love her outfit, first of all. Yes. The, like, neck, or the the neckline on it with, like, the drawstring and the patterned white fluffy top. Gorgeous. Mm -hmm. I, okay, this is a Ruth Sanderson illustration. I love, 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 love the fact that she took, like, a way different tack than what we are so used to seeing Mm -hmm. with these Nancy Drew covers, and that she painted, like, an actual scene like we get such weird covers like no offense to to the rest of them i love reading abby i think those are great covers but there's such like an originality mm-hmm. to her covers that you just don't see across the rest of the nancy drew books just so good so good um so yeah i wish so the, yeah so like you said i have the flashlight um edition um i wish i could see more of the background Oh, that's course. like my one thing because yeah, it's all zoomed in on Nancy's face. But Here, I can I'll just hold it up. So yeah, you can I can just tell from camera. yours how beautiful that like backdrop is with the sky and the ruins. Um, yeah, that's gorgeous. This picture yeah. looks like a nice summer European vacation. Yeah. Fantastic! I love it. Now, I'm gonna go. Let me say too, I really like the premise of this. Like, I like the concept of Nancy going to Greece to investigate a smuggling ring. I think that that's great. Mm-hmm. And I wish that it had felt more like a Greek summer vacation with a little bit of a mystery mm-hmm. thrown in. That would have been swell. I just don't think that that's what we got. So 
<laughs> now the art makes me want to have a little Greek vacation, yeah. but the book mm-hmm. does definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. But okay. Do you want to try to dive in? Do our best? Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So we start off um, and Nancy is basically being sent to Greece by Carson to look for the cousin of this girl named Helen Nicholas, who is, I guess, some friend of theirs. You don't really know from where, from how. Um, and her missing inheritance. So she's got a missing cousin and a missing inheritance. Not that we're told this. We just learn it <laughs> later on. We just get little pieces of, yeah. Right. Um, her neighbor learns about her trip and asks Nancy to also look into a situation for her while she's in Greece. Um, apparently this neighbor whose name is Mrs. Thompson has been sending money to a family in Greece to sponsor one of their children's education. However, recently she learned from the family that her money has not been getting to them. Um, she sent her checks to this agency in New York who set up the program. And so she reached out to this agency to say like, Hey, what the heck's going on? Where are my checks going? Um, and she learned that that office like closed suddenly. Um, and all of the mail is being forwarded to this guy named Dimitri Giorgio. George, I, I don't know. I don't Giorgio. speak a word of Greek. Couldn't Giorgio. tell you. I know the Greek alphabet. <laughs> That's not going to help us here. <laughs> Um, and he, and that address is in Athens. Um, and so that's why Nan- uh, she's asking Nancy while she's in Athens to look for this guy. So she wants him to like track him down in Greece, wants Nancy to track him down in Greece and figure out whatever has happened here. So Nancy explains all of this to Bess and George, who are also accompanying her on this trip for, again, some unknown reason. Um, once they get on the plane, they have this layover in New York, and so they decide to try to investigate the closed New York office. But when they get to the building, there's like a tenant strike happening outside, so they can't get in. The girls are like stopped by the protesters because they think that Nancy looks like the daughter of the landlord that they are protesting. Um, and so they just can't get into the building. So they go back to the airport, they get on a flight <laughs> to Greece. Um, Nancy ends up talking to the handsome young co-pilot on this plane and he lets her look around the cockpit. (laughs) Sorry. But then there's like this sexist, rude guy. He sees her going into the cockpit and he like gets angry that they're like letting a woman fly the plane, even though that's not what they're doing, but he thinks that they're letting a woman fly the plane. And so he gets mad because women aren't supposed to fly planes and, Nancy tries to explain the situation, saying, like, no, 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 I was just looking at the cockpit. Um, and then he's like, good, women should know their place. It's overtly sexist. It's clearly supposed to be a sexist um, exchange. Um, we're not supposed to like this guy. And we learn from the flight attendant that this guy's name is actually Mr. Isakos? Isakos? Probably Isakos. Um When Nancy finally makes it to her seat on this plane, she then sees a piece of paper just like kind of on the ground, like someone had dropped it. Um, And it's a letterhead for the Fotini company. Um, I realized way after the fact that this is supposed to be the agency that Mrs. Thompson was sending her money to. Um, And so she finds this letterhead for that agency on the plane for some reason. Where else would it be? I mean... (laughs) Um, and she looks at it, she picks it up and someone has sketched a Greek letter on it. Um, it's the Greek letter for Phi, um, but it also has like these curly cues on the end of it. 
Um, and after like further examining this piece of paper, Nancy sees that there are some other very faded words on the paper and they determine it's a message in Greek that says meeting at the Zapion on the 25th of May. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing any of this correctly either. Zapion is this place in Athens, but the note has to be old because May was last month. And um, Nancy then also compares the handwriting on this note to a sample of Mr. Giorgio's writing that she has from her neighbor and she sees that it matches. So <laughs> this note must have been written by Mr. Giorgio and then someone on this plane had it. Why? We don't know. I don't know that we ever really find out. They settle into their flight and once on the lights on the plane dim, they get some sleep. Um, and when they wake up, Nancy checks her handbag and sees that that piece of paper with the note on it is missing from her purse. Someone has stolen it. Um, and they have no way of knowing who on the 300 other people on this flight could have taken it. Despite the fact that there is only one other named passenger, we have no idea who it could be. <laughs> I wonder. So they get to Greece and they go to their amazing hotel room, which, by the way, has a terrace view of the Acropolis. My gosh. Um, they unpack and a hotel employee brings them up a basket of apples. Um, and there's no note on the basket of apples. And so they're not sure who it's from. But George takes an apple out of the basket and shrieks because there is a venomous snake inside. The girls are able to maneuver this snake into a trash can and get a hold of an employee to come up and take it away. But they're kind of shaken by this experience. Um, and afterwards, they decide to go and track down the law firm that is handling the inheritance issue that Carson has asked Nancy to look into. They go to the address and, that they have and they see that this law firm named Vadis and Vadis is gone. There's another business there now. And they ask the secretary about it. She says that the elder Mr. Vadis passed away recently and the younger Mr. Vadis has just vanished and they don't know where he is. So with no other leads right now, the girls decide to just do some... Okay, which also... What do you mean no other leads right now? You haven't tried to do any investigating. You've gone <laughs> to one place. What leads... Like, you you didn't... You're not looking into the Fotini agency. You're doing... Anyway. <sighs> so the girls decide to go sightseeing and <laughs> shopping. <laughs> they end up in front of a jewelry store where they see a gold mask in the window. And I guess Bess is interested in buying this gold mask. They go inside, but when they do go inside, someone is removing it and they ask about it. And the shopkeeper says, Oh, it's just been sold. So Bess buys something else and then they leave. And then later, when they're sitting down for, like, a snack or break or whatever, Nancy looks in her bag and sees the golden masks. So someone must have, like, slipped it into her bag as she was leaving the store. She picks it up and looks at it, and she sees the same curly-cued letter phi on the back of it, like, stamped into it. Um, so they go back to the jewelry store to try to return it, but they're closed. So she decides that she's going to go to a nearby museum to see if they can give her any information on the mask for some reason. I'm sorry. Do Why we is that think... your first thought? <laughs> do, but, but do we think that this mask is like a legit, like they've purchased like a Greek artifact at this jewelry store. And so they're going to the museum to ask about it because they think it's an artifact. The only reason they should assume that is if they have already been suspecting that these people are up to something illegal. You would assume that it's fake unless you have reason 
to think otherwise. You don't just right. assume that it's real. Well, and I mean, can it not just be a gold mask? Like, right. I don't understand, like, just It doesn't a have new to be an artifact thing. at all. <laughs> right. They bought it at a jewelry store. Like, it's not like they bought it on out of the back of someone's car or, like, off, you know, like, at an archaeological dig. Like, they, it was just at a store. Nancy just knows. She just knows the truth. She just doesn't know why. So she goes to the museum. And uh, upon seeing the mask, they the museum employees pull her into this back office and call the police. Apparently, this mask was stolen from this very museum. And now they think Nancy's responsible for the theft because she came here with the mask. And so they're holding her and won't let her leave. So luckily for Nancy, Bess and George actually weren't with her when she went to the museum. Bess ended up like getting a headache or something. So George and Bess went back to the hotel to rest for a little while. Um, So at the museum, Nancy calls them and is like, hey, can you get in touch with Carson? Let him know what's going on. Um, Bess is still sleeping. So George makes the call. But the hotel says it could take hours to reach Carson to like get any Thing done for Nancy, I guess. So instead, George just goes to the American embassy and talks to people there, which, okay. All right. So um, meanwhile, Bess is still back at the hotel room asleep and she wakes up a little bit when she realizes there's somebody in their room. She like Horrifying. sees this man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like just <laughs> hears somebody like rustling next to her bed and she wakes up and this man is just like leaving the room with the basket of apples that had the snake in it. So he just takes it and leaves, like doesn't say anything, do anything, just was in here and is gone. So the phone rings, it's Nancy again, and Bess decides that she is going to go head over to the museum where Nancy is, and George is already on her way over there as well. So um, by the time she gets there, something must have changed in the situation because they're already letting Nancy go. And they're just telling her, like, we're letting you go with a warning, like, stay away from the museum's artifacts. We get no explanation. We have no idea why they're letting her go or really why they held her in the first place. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) So now they realize they do have other leads that they can go with actually. Um, So they decided to go back to the, or they decided to go to the Fotini agency and the office is fortunately still there. It's not out of business like the New York location was. They meet with the manager and explain what's going on with Nancy's neighbors. Um, and they inform Nancy that they have no such family in their program. And then they get... Uh, Carson, like, arranges for one of his friends to, like, loan his car to Nancy and mm-hmm. Bess and George. <laughs> okay, so they go, they get the car from Carson's friend, and then they decide to drive over to the Nikos Shipping Company, which is the company owned by Helen Nicholas's family. Um, Nancy which, goes by in the way, we also didn't know about, like, nobody told us about yeah. that until we're there. Nancy so just knows don't know that she needs to go there. there. She just knows it and doesn't yeah, we, explain it. No previous mention of the Nikos Shipping Company at all. No. Also, no mention previously of Helen's cousin, whose name is Constantine, right. but that's yes. why we're there, is because Constantine has gone missing. Again, they don't tell us this. We're just supposed to infer this at some point before the book ends. Um, so Nancy asks about Constantine, the cousin, and she's told that he doesn't work here anymore. Um, he is too busy partying and wasting his parents' money from the inheritance, um, but they do give Nancy a photo of him. So at least we know what he looks like now. Um, we have to comment on how handsome he is. And then I guess there's this nearby ship and Nancy's like, can I go tour that? And they're like, sure, go right ahead. And so they do. 
no reason for us to need to go onto the ship, but we do. So we have to like get passes to get on the ship. We go get the passes, we get on board. And as soon as they get on, the freighter just starts to like sail away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so they like freak out a little bit or like, wait, 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 we weren't supposed to go with the ship. Let us off. And so they do. And that's what happens. Yeah huge excitement um but then we flash to the next day they are in the car they're on the way to the papadopoulos family home which is the family that again we're not told their name yeah, we're just we don't know, know why the name we don't the know who they are this is the family <laughs> that is supposed to be receiving the money from nancy's neighbor but hasn't been getting it um and so we're on the way there we almost get into a car accident we end up in a ditch and then they whatever it's this whole rigmarole but eventually we make it to the papadopoulos family home we meet everyone they give each other gifts okay this is really <laughs> happens. yeah um they don't do anything they just meet them uh and so nancy basically just like informs them why she's there and mm-hmm. then they leave and then they go swimming yeah um <laughs> best gets stung by a jellyfish and the this lifeguard there his name is alexis and he's really hot he comes <laughs> and he comes and rescues bess and then and nancy's like oh hey you would know who constantine nichols is right just because you're a greek person and he's like actually i do because my <laughs> family is the family of a rival shipping company <laughs> okay great She's like, do you know anything about Constantine having disappeared with this family inheritance and stolen money? And apparently the family wanted Constantine to like continue the family business when they inherited it, inherited it, but now no one can find him. So that's why we're looking for him. Um, so then the lifeguard invites the girls to go go to dinner with him later and then do some sightseeing. And so they say yes so um they head back to the hotel and when they get there nancy calls carson i guess from the lobby or whatever and while nancy's on the phone beth sees the same guy from uh the guy that had snuck into their hotel room and stolen the basket of fruit Uh, she just like sees him out on the street and they notice that he is talking to the man from the plane mr isikos isikos the man that like was upset that nancy was flying the plane even though she wasn't Uh, So they sneak up closer and try to like eavesdrop on their conversation. And they're talking about some church named St. Mark's um, and something about mosaics as well. Um, And then the two men walk into the same hotel where Nancy, Bess, and George are staying. Um, So they go into the hotel as well. And they ask the desk clerk if Mr. Isakos is staying here. And they say, yes, room 986. Nancy goes, oh, our room is 968, so maybe the snake in the fruit basket was just meant for Mr. Isikos, and the delivery got mixed up or whatever, and that's why it got sent to us. It wasn't really a threat against us, so that's kind Mm. of a fun little play on the traditional, like, Nancy gets the threatening note right at the start. It really wasn't meant for her. Um, And then later in the evening, they go on their little sightseeing dinner date with Alexis, and he tells them that he thought he saw Constantine at the Placa earlier that day. Uh, Okay, so the girls decide that they're going to go over there tomorrow, but Nancy right now is asking him about St. Mark's Church, and he tells us that it is on the outskirts of Athens. Um, So whatever, they're little evening ends with him and the next morning um, they head back to the jewelry store to ask about the mask and the clerk pretends that they have no idea what they're talking about Mm -hmm. and like i don't remember any such mask um and then they like she goes to the back room and then they overhear her talking about the hotel that they're staying at 
this is all very bizarre. Yeah. I mean, it's like in like Greek, so they're not entirely sure what she's saying. They just like overhear certain words and when they leave, they like get out their like English Greek dictionary and like try to translate it. And so they think that they were discussing something related to the three of them happening at their hotel around 8 p.m. that night. So they just decide to just go to their hotel and be there around 8 just to see what's going to happen. This is wild. Yeah. Um, so they're in the lot. They're like hanging out in the lobby at 8. And Nancy gets a call at the front desk. So she asks George to take the call because she thinks that this is a distraction attempt for whatever else is about to go down. So George takes the call and Nancy instead goes up to their room. She reaches the hallway where their room is and she sees the man, just like the man who had already snuck into their room to take the apples. She sees him about to like open their uh, hotel room door. So she shouts at him to stop and he sees her and then he takes off running. So she follows him, but loses him eventually. And he ends up taking off in a cab with this other guy. Um, she remembers, though, that as he was fleeing, he threw something at her upstairs. So... Why? <laughs> we talk about this later. But um, so they all go upstairs to look for whatever it was that he threw. And Nancy looks around and finds that it's this metal stamp with the weird curly Q phi symbol on it. So <laughs> they have that now. And the next day, they decide to go to that church, St. Mark's, um, which turns out is actually not a church, it's a monastery. And they have to go in the middle of the night, because that's the time that they overheard Mr. Isakos mention that they, like, they mentioned that time, so they have to go at that time. I don't know. Um, so they go there, they sneak into this monastery, because it's in the middle of the night, then they hear there's this weird wailing noise and all the monks wake up and run around. And then they just, the monks just go back to their rooms. Then Nancy sees this flashing light. She thinks it's some kind of signal, but then they're caught by the detective who held Nancy at the museum, who by the way, we didn't meet before. We're only meeting him now. We didn't even know there was a detective at the museum. We just know there's a detective now mm -hmm. that Nancy did meet at the museum and he's been following them and caught them here. Um, right, because there was a security guard at the museum who we did meet, but this is a different man. <laughs> this is a different man. And Nancy tells him that they're here, they're actually here because they think that this monastery is being robbed tonight. We didn't know that. Nancy nope. didn't tell us that before, but Nancy's telling this detective now that she that's the actual reason why they're here, not because they overheard that guy talking about mentioned mosaics and this church. They could have it could have been anything, but for some reason she thinks it's being robbed tonight. Okay. So then Nancy leads him down this path in the monastery where she saw this like man in a black robe go down before. And she thinks that that man was Mr. Isakos or his partner for some reason. She has no reason to think this, but she does think this. Of course she's right. But <laughs> anyway, they open this small room and there's just a monk praying in there and then the cop gets angry because he thinks that nancy is just interfering in this case like he told her not to do um and not helping the case at all so he sends them home 
The next day, Beth says she wants to go back to the jewelry store and ask the quote-unquote million-dollar question, which is not which explained would be, either. Right? Um, so they do, they go back to the jewelry store, and Beth asks the clerk if Constantine Nicholas is there because she knows that he works there. How? Again, it feels like somebody wrote this book, ripped out a few <laughs> chapters, and then they published the, the version that's missing pages. Mm-hmm. Um, the clerk says that Constantine's not here right now, and then the clerk gets angry because she thinks that Bess is there to steal Constantine from her or something, because apparently she's dating Constantine. Okay. Um, then they leave the jewelry store, but later they meet up with the girl again, they just, like, run into her. Or, or actually, I guess she comes to find them, wherever they are, and she apologizes for being rude earlier, but she told them that she hadn't heard from Constantine in a while. And so she's worried about him. And so she was like, you know, just being kind of aggressive for no reason. Um, she also introduces herself. Her name is Stella. But then they're interrupted by the same man they saw with Mr. Isakos. And so I guess the same man who was get, trying to get into their hotel room and took the basket of apples. We don't, Nancy doesn't make that connection there either, but that has to be because that's the only other man we've talked about, right? As being with Mr. Isakos. Mm-hmm. Um, so he shows up and he grabs Stella and tells her that she has work to do and she better come with him and basically manhandles her into a cab. She calls him Mimi. Um, like that's like his name. She calls him Mimi. Um, and then they leave in the cab, but Nancy realizes that he's dropped a money clip in his haste to get away. So she goes to pick it up and she sees the initials DV on it. She thinks D stands for Dimitri because Mimi is like a nickname for Dimitri in Greek, um, which I guess is a good deduction. Sure. Um, but we don't know what the V stands for. Um, then they decide to go to the Acropolis where Bess gets pickpocketed. Um, <laughs> um, they they do end up reporting that to the police, and they even try to track down the child who is responsible themselves with no luck. And we really got to talk about this later because this is actually insane. But then we go back to the hotel. Then there's like this anonymous note left in their hotel room saying, surprise, we've checked into room 1100. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if I got this note, I would check out of that hotel and never come back and be like, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is clearly a trap. So they immediately go to room 110, not room 110, 1100, against all better judgment, but actually it's fine because it turns out it's just Helen Nicholas, um, who is Carson's friend that we're helping, and then also Mrs. Thompson, who apparently know each other already. We have, I don't think we knew that they knew no. each other, but they're here together. They've decided that they're just too excited for Nancy to solve the mystery and like come home and tell them that what happened. So they've decided to just come to Greece to see what the update is, what's going Why on exactly. is Nancy here then? Yeah, if they were just going to come themselves anyway. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we rearranged our whole schedules to come. It's totally fine. Don't worry about it. Ugh. We're here. It's like, so you didn't need us at all. But yeah, so they're here, um, and Mrs. Thompson tells us that she wants to go meet Mrs. Papadopoulos, and then maybe have, like, arrange to have her embroidery shipped into the United States so that they can sell it. This feels pretty exploitative to me. Mm -hmm. We can talk about that later. But yeah, mm -hmm. apparently Mrs. Papadopoulos is, like, an insanely good seamstress, is really good at embroidery, and so their idea is to, like, set up a business in the U.S. selling 
her imported work. So that evening, they all go to this amphitheater together. I'm going to butcher this name. Herodotus Atticus? I think that's, yeah, pretty good. Fair enough. Okay, so it's closed, (laughs) but Helen convinces the guards to let them in. And they do. So once they get inside, they overhear some men talking and they say that Constantine, who is Helen's Helen's cousin, is hiding out on Piraeus, which is at an island nearby, right? I guess. I don't know. Okay, so this is another thing, is that we never explain the locations where we are. And it's like places have multiple names, like because they'll say that they're going to this business, but this business is actually in this place. And so this... Piraeus plays like I'm pretty sure that's where the um, oh it's a city it's a port city oh okay yes I'm pretty sure that's where the um like shipping the Nikos shipping company is yes but we don't know that they just say oh yeah we're going we're gonna go back there we're going like we've already been there I'm like when did you go there we didn't you didn't tell us when you went there (sighs) um apparently that is Europe's biggest passenger port very cool um all right well the more you know it's a gorgeous city (laughs) from what google is showing me um so they go back the next day and park and look around and they learn that the police are inspecting freighters for stolen antique vases and are looking for someone by the name of isakos they see the initials dg carved on the wall on the wharf and assume obviously this is dimitri gregorio or however you pronounce his name giorgio giorgio yeah. I believe that's Giorgio, I believe. Giorgio. Giorgio. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, they ask someone nearby, and he brings out this other man whose <laughs> name is apparently Demetrius Georgiakis, and not <laughs> not the person that they're looking for, just someone who happens to have the same initials. And also the first, like, the beginning of the name is exactly the same. Yeah. But not the same guy. Okay. Okay. Well, they ask this also- guy... I'm sorry, how do we know that this isn't the guy that we're looking for? There's like, oh, this guy's name is Demetrius Georgiakis, not Dimitri Giorgio. So this is not, this is not the droid you're looking for. Also, why would he have carved his name on the wall? Like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> I don't know. And why does the name Corey. being carved on the wall mean that he's our suspect? I don't know what this means. But he's not the right guy, so they, but we do still interrogate him. So we're like, hey, the ship you just got off of, does that go to the U.S.? And he's like, no. And it's just like, whoa, that must mean that the fake artifacts are being sent to other countries and then from those other countries are then being shipped into the U.S. so that it's harder to track them. What artifacts? What artifacts? What artifacts? We know that that's what we're looking into. <laughs> what <Why>? the heck? <laughs> what is going on? We came here under the premise that we are looking for someone's stolen inheritance and some stolen money. We get and somebody's a mask. Cousin. We get yes, and somebody's cousin that we don't know the name of, apparently, or we do, but we aren't told the name of it. Then yeah. we get a suddenly we get a gold mask, normal gold mask, just stuck in our shopping bag. We end up going to a museum where they tell us, "Oh, hey, you stole this from us." We're like, "No, we didn't." And now suddenly we think that there is this racket, not just of stolen artifacts, but stolen artifacts that are then remade into fake artifacts and then shipped to the U.S. By Dimitri Gregorio, specifically. Right, right. <laughs> we right. know that as well, but we don't because know Because DG's on the side of the wharf, even though that wasn't for the same guy. This is so, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> make it make sense. <laughs> 
I'm so <laughs> impressed that Nancy can glean all of that based off of some graffiti on a wall that has nothing to do with anything. <sighs> so, <laughs> yeah. We talked to the police. We asked what they've discovered so far, and we learned nothing. So they mm-hmm. decided to go back to the car. The car doesn't start, though, so we assume that someone's been tampering with it. Great. Okay. And <laughs> there's, the, like, this, like, little boy that just happens to be standing, I guess, near this parking lot. And he says he saw someone messing with the engine. And then after he got after he finished that, he just, like, got onto the freighter and left. Um, so Nancy asks, goes to ask the police for help and learns from two sailors that Constantine Nicholas now has a beard. Bess gives the police the name of the hotel so that she can contact us there. I just put that in there because it's like, Bess goes to the police for help because someone has sabotaged their car. Fine, good, that makes sense. Police literally do nothing. And then Bess just is like, okay, well, you can contact us here. Yeah. To do what? Like, what What are they going to do? Like, what? also, they never... Oh, I'm sorry. It's just... Yeah. Well, in this scene, the police officer is, like, already talking to these two sailors. So she, like, goes up, interrupts the conversation, mm-hmm. ends up really only getting information from the sailors, not the police, <laughs> and then turns to the police and is like, here's my number if you yeah. learn more. Great. Learn more about what? So then we flash. We're on board the freighter. We're talking to more police here. And I guess Nancy had, like, asked the police to come with her onto the freighter. But then we see Mr. Isaacos poking his head around a corner. Uh, everybody, including the police, chases after him, which results in this, like, boat chase scene, and eventually they lose him, but they find the boat abandoned on the shore, and then there's footprints, and so they follow the footprints, which leads to a nearby road, and so they conclude that there must have been a car waiting for him, and so he's fled already. So we go back to the freighter, we question the crew a little bit, and they say that they didn't know Mr. Isakos was even on board. Um, They also say that they've never heard of Constantine Nicholas, which is odd because one of those two sailors that Bess just talked to told her that Constantine frequently, you know, like rides on this freighter or whatever. Um, And they decide that they're going to search some crates on the freighter to see if the artifacts are in there, I guess. What artifacts? (laughs) And the crew is instantly super weird about it. And like, no, you can't open those boxes. No, don't don't touch that. And they do still open it, but there's nothing in there. So Nancy decides that this boat and this ship is is up to something. She just can't prove it and doesn't know what or why. <laughs> Great. Um, so they end up getting their car fixed and they decide to go to lunch in a nearby town. And at lunch, some guy who just happens to be there and happens to know Mr. Battis, the lawyer who represented Helen and happens to know who Nancy is because he saw a news article about her or something from the United States. Um, and overheard the other day, Nancy asking about Mr. Battis when she was at the office. And he also happened to be there at that time. He gives them a note and tells them that he thinks that Mr. Vadis might be on the island of Corfu. So, while Helen and Mrs. Thompson go to visit the Papadopoulos family, the girls fly to Corfu to go look for Mr. Vadis. They call around to different hotels and eventually learn where he's staying. It's this, like, cottage-like hotel room. It's like there's, like, different, you know little cottages that you can rent and he's in one of them. So um, they go there and they leave George near the road and Nancy and Bess go peek into the cottage. 
And then they see inside this cottage that there's a man wearing a gold bracelet and talking on the phone. They overhear a bit of his conversation and he seems to be trying to sell the bracelet that he has on right now, which he says was found in the same year that the mask was. Sure. We never knew that this mask was dug up in a a specific year, but apparently we did know that. Um, Nancy knew that. We just, again, weren't clued into that. Um, Then suddenly they hear George scream and they turn and George is gone. Someone has abducted George in a car. So the girls jump into the taxi that they left waiting um, and a car chase ensues. Eventually the kidnapper just ends up dumping George on the side of the road and the girls reach her. She's bruised and dirty, but she's mostly okay. Nancy then calls Mr. Vatis's hotel and learns that he has checked out. So she wonders if the kidnapping of George was just a ruse to get them away from his hotel room so that he could escape. Did he know that they were watching him outside of his hotel room? But if or was someone watching him mm. and saw them and then was like, "Hey, we need to kidnap George so that he has a chance to get away." How did they uh. communicate with each other? If those people were just in a car. <laughs> Telepathy. He was on the phone the whole time, talking to a, to a buyer of this bracelet. So how did he coordinate with someone to, to kidnap George? To get away. To allow him to get away. Mm. Um, it's the year. <laughs> it's the year that's not really the year that we know. It's because he said a specific number. That was the code oh. word to trigger the kidnapping plot. Got it. No. Okay. <laughs> no. So the girls then go back to their hotel for the night. They're looking out on the beach and then they see Mr. Vadis talking to some other guy and they appear to be arguing. So Bess calls the police and George and Nancy go to confront the two of them. The other man leaves before they get there. But when they reach Mr. Vadis and Nancy like introduces herself and explains like I'm Carson Drew's daughter. I'm here, you know, to look into Helen Nicholas's inheritance issue or whatever. The man basically attacks her and then runs away. Um, But he drops the bracelet he was wearing as he goes. And so Nancy looks at it and sees that, oh, it has the same Greek symbol on the inside of it. Um, Vadis gets into a motorboat and gets away. They call the police and they tell them that they think Mr. Vadis went back to his hotel. So they all go over to Mr. Vadis's hotel again. Um, The police are there when they arrived and they say that Mr. Vadis has barricaded himself into his room and won't come out. Um, At this point, we get this weird, I guess we can overhear what Mr. Vadis is saying inside of his hotel room. Um, And so we realize that he has now realized that his bracelet is missing. Then he lets some papers on fire and the police end up breaking into his room and arresting him. He comes out. And he tries to explain to the police and to Nancy that, no, that bracelet is rightfully his. It was payment for some legal services that he provided to someone. Nancy asks if it was payment from Constantine Nicholas. And she says that Vadis was blackmailing Constantine so that, and then, so Constantine gave him his bracelet to, like, pay for that blackmail. But then Bess says that Constantine didn't know that Vadis was actually stealing the inheritance from him and Helen. So, okay. (laughs) 
So I guess we've just guessed at the solution to this mystery, and we've just guessed that Mr. Vadis is the one who has stolen Helen and Constantine's inheritance via something. We, ju- we don't know how. We just think he did it. How lucky that that guess was spot on. But also, but like, we don't get, he doesn't confess. Like, we don't, he doesn't say anything to that. Right. But I guess that's what Nancy and Bess tell the police. And so that's why the police arrest him. Also, why did the police even arrest him? Like, why did the police show up? They're like, I mean, I understand George was kidnapped or whatever, but they don't know that Mr. Vadis had anything to do with that. So why we're like, hey, there's this guy, he's in his hotel room, he's talking about selling his bracelet, come arrest him. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, we saw that guy again. He's on the beach. Come get him. And they just yeah. do? Yep. Because Nancy, her word counts more. Yep. In Greece, where nobody knows her, and the police were like, hey, stop investigating. You're ruining the case. All right. It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Okay. Um, anyway, so I guess that mystery is solved. Um, we know where Helen and uh, Constantine's inheritance went. Um so then after Vadis is carted off, the girls go into his room and take pictures of the paper fragments of the burned paper that he just tried to burn and destroy. Then they go back to Athens and Nancy calls Carson and tells him that they solved Helen's mystery. Um, and so Carson says that, quote unquote, we'll take the first flight to Greece. And Nancy tries to ask him, wait, wait, who's we? Who's coming with you? But the line just goes dead. Boy, I hope it's Hannah. <laughs> it's Hannah, right? It's Hannah gonna. She's gonna be the one coming with them, right? Wishful thinking. Yeah. So later that evening, Nancy shows the photographs that they took of the papers that Vadis burned to Helen and Helen, because they're all in Greek. So Helen is right. able to read them and translate them, and says, "Hey, this document is my uncle's will." Um, Wait, seems, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Time out right now. It's her uncle who died? Yeah. We just learned this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, it seemed like her uncle didn't just own this shipping company or just have holdings in the shipping company. He actually had a bunch of different business holdings. Um, and so Nancy wonders if Vadis forged Constantine's signature in order to get him to sell all of them to him and, and effectively steal all these assets from him, right? Um, So the next day, Nancy and Helen go around to different banks to see if they can figure out which bank her uncle had used. Like, first of all, why don't you just, like, have some sort of documentation about the bank account or something somewhere? And, like, for what reason? Like, what's that going to do? Like, if you think the stuff has already been stolen, what, you know, like, I don't. Okay, well. Eventually, they do find the correct bank somehow because uh, there's a limited number in Athens. Obviously, <laughs> this capital city only has like three or four banks, right? So they end up finding which bank it is. And they actually learn that the, that the uncle had a safety deposit box with that bank. Um, and somebody has been paying to keep like the monthly fee for this deposit box. Um, and actually, the next payment is due tomorrow. So Nancy has this fantastic idea. Hey, Helen and Mrs. Thompson, y'all should come back tomorrow, stake out the place, and just see who is coming to pay the fee for that. So Nancy and George stay at the hotel because they are waiting to get another call from Carson. And then Bess goes downstairs to shop a little bit more. Um, she actually ends up seeing Stella, the one who is supposedly dating Constantine, who previously worked at the the jewelry shop or whatever um we see her kind of like leaving the hotel gift shop really really quickly as though she's kind of like 
fleeing or trying to get out of there fast. And Bess decides to Bess decides that she's going to follow her a little bit and then go talk to her at the jewelry store. But then she gets to the jewelry store and learns that the previous owners sold it already. Um, they'd sold it really quickly, fired all the employees, and now there's this new proprietor and everybody else who had previously worked there like yesterday no longer <laughs> works there. So that's a dead end, obviously. Um, we go back to the hotel and Mrs. Thompson and Helen have actually already returned and they did see who delivered the payment. It was just a, a messenger boy. Um, he said that he was delivering it on behalf of Constantine Nicholas, who is currently living in the same monastery that they visited previously. Oh, so it's just that simple. Great. Okay, so they decide that they're going to go the next day, but not before Carson arrives tonight. So we learn that Carson is here with not Hannah, it's Ned, Bert, and Dave. God, of course it is. So then ah! we have our just very, you know, stereotypical moment where they all couple off and each team up and go in different directions. So the next day, Carson and Helen decided to go off to try to see Mr. Vadis and the three couples head to the monastery to, to find Constantine. Uh, so everyone splits up and Nancy and Ned head down this room that had all these beautiful mosaics in it. And Nancy thinks that the mosaics that she overheard Isaacos talking about might be these same mosaics. Um, but just as she says this, two men throw hoods over Nancy and Ned, tie them up, and then shove them into a large barrel that's in the room. <laughs> well, it's a big barrel to pin both of them. Yeah, and like, and they're like crammed in there, so neither one of them can really move because it's so packed, and so they can't like get their ties off or anything. And Nancy is about to pass out because it's so hot in here, but luckily Bess and Dave come into the room just in time, hear them like struggling inside the barrel, and let them out. But as as they're getting out of the barrel, Nancy notices that hey, those mosaics are gone. Clearly, they were just stolen by whoever tied us up and put us in the barrel. Um, so Nancy thinks Constantine is the one responsible, obviously. Um, and what do you know? George and Bert actually just saw Constantine. Um, so they go up to this guy who's dressed as a monk, and Nancy compares him to the picture of Constantine that they got earlier. Um, and it does seem to be the same man, so they confront him, and he confesses that, yes, I am Constantine Nicholas. Um, he admits that he has been stealing artifacts, but he feels really bad about it, so it's fine. <laughs> He says that it was actually he who planted the, the golden mask in Nancy's shopping bag because he knew that she would, like, figure out what was going on and do the right thing and return it to the museum because he wanted to do it himself but didn't know how to do it without getting caught. So he thought, I'll just have Nancy do it. How did he know who she was? Nah. We didn't see him at the jewelry store, did we? No. There wasn't anybody there but the clerk that we talked right. to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, he's he tells us that the purpose of that fee, the Greek symbol from the is it stamp, fee? and not phi. Uh, it actually it's both. Um, either one is correct. Oh, don't, okay. Don't quote me on this, but I I think if I remember this correctly, that it depends on whatever like what comes before it. So if it is oh. a vowel that comes before it, you would say fee. But if it's a consonant, you would say phi. So I think it just depends on the context within the sentence, but technically both are correct. So it's like al – So you would say alpha phi, but gamma phi. Yeah. Never knew that! Yeah. So don't quote me on that, but that's okay. my very <laughs> basic understanding of the Greek language from the very, very basic understanding that I have of their alphabet. 
Okay. So, <laughs> that's probably way oversimplifying it. And that was probably, mm-hmm. I might have even flip flopped them and got them wrong. But my understanding is that both of them are technically interesting. Both. Okay. The correct pronunciation. All right. Um, but I pronounce foreign languages always incorrectly, so who knows. But uh, So he tells us that that stamp that the bad guy had thrown at Nancy in the hallway of the hotel, they actually use that to identify which are the real artifacts and which are the duplicates. Okay, wait a second. I'm confused, though. So, <laughs> of course I'm confused. But so did they, sta- they stamped the duplicates, right? They didn't stamp the original because they didn't make the original. They stole I'm the not clear on this because you would think that you're only going to stamp the fake one like when you're making it, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I assumed. But now I'm thinking back and realizing that the mask that was in Nancy's bag had the stamp had the on stamp. it. And she took that to the museum and they said, no, 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 this is the stolen artifact. Mm-hmm. So unless they were confused, as like, no, wait, actually, this is just a replica. So are they defacing the original? And how do you That's put a I'm metal? Saying. How do you stamp metal without that metal being heated or softened in some way, right. you know, to, you know, be able to receive the stamp. I'm not explaining that correctly, but like, yeah, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. Like how, how, how are they doing that? Unless it's like You'd an ink to. stamp. I doubt well, that they're stamping ink on there, you know? No, it's a gold mask. And right. it's like, we talked about it would, it was like engraved into the mask. So it has to, they have to have heated the metal. Right. To put it also. Okay. Yeah. Which so destroys the not, original. Which destroys the original, damage, damages the original. But even if if it was a replica, then that means that they're making a replica mask out of real gold? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Why even if it's cheaper <laughs> because it's not old. It's not cheaper. There's no way it's cheaper. No. Like, okay. uh, that doesn't make any sense. Okay. So, whatever. They're using this stamp to differentiate between the real and the fake artifacts. Um, And he also tells us that he never actually received his inheritance, but he agrees to do everything that he can to help Helen and Mr. Drew settle the issue. Um, And he asks, hey, can I please stay in this monastery, like, indefinitely? Because otherwise I'm going to get sent to jail. And Nancy's like, yeah, sure. Uh, The monks will take good care of you. And the monks are like, yeah, that's fine. (laughs) What the heck? I know. I I kind of read this as the monks were like agreeing to make sure he doesn't get away while they're looking yeah. into the rest. No, that's of this, definitely like, what it is. But why not just arrest him now if he is guilty? Anyway, he just okay. doesn't want to go to jail. So we all drive away. We go back to Athens, and Nancy spots Mister Isakos <laughs> jumping out of a car and tries to catch him. But then he turns around and just pushes Nancy into traffic. So that was a genius plan. <laughs> Um, but then Ned comes to her rescue. Everything's fine. And Mr. Isikos is stopped by some passerby who just like happened to witness everything. Um, so they call the police and Nancy also tells them about how he tampered with their car and the basket of apples with the snake in it. And then his involvement with the snug, uh, the smuggling ring, the, the smuggling, smuggling ring, <laughs> <laughs> his involvement with the smuggling ring. And so they arrest him and cart him away. They go back to the hotel and Carson and Helen tell them that Vadis confessed to falsifying records and forging Constantine's signature. Um, Luckily, he did not get all of the inheritance. And so uh, Helen and Constantine are still going to get some money via some coins that were left in the safety deposit box and then some other, I guess, just random assets the uncle had. Then Nancy decides that they all need to go to Piraeus. And so they do. Um, They flag down Interpol on the way there. (laughs) Naturally, I mean, what else 
would your first instinct be? And tell them, hey, stop that freighter that just set sail. Um, so they do. With and no questions. No questions. like, yep, come absolutely, Miss Drew. We're boarding this ship. Come with us, Nancy. And so they do. And they immediately arrest both the captain and Dimitri Gregorio, who is... Who we know is the same Dimitri who stole Mrs. Thompson's money from the Papadopoulos family. How? Uh, we have no reason to believe this. Uh, okay, so Nancy says that he helped hide stolen goods on the freighter inside bales of cotton, um, which apparently Carson had told Nancy that the U.S. authorities had found it on their end, so... That's how we know that. And then we also say that he's the one who kidnapped George, and his real name is Dimitri Vatis. This is the most wild one, I think. <laughs> well, and she knows this from the money clip that they found, DV, and then Stella had called him Mimi, so clearly he's Dimitri Vatis. The hat. No way! <laughs> And then we also learn that he is the brother of the lawyer, Vadis and Vadis. It's the brother of the younger one, right? So the, the thing is, is that we don't, we don't learn this. Like, he doesn't confess to this. He doesn't say this. Nancy explains all of this. So he doesn't admit to his name being Vadis. Nancy is like, I know your name is, is Dimitri Vadis because the money clip said the initials DV. So that means your last name has to be Vadis, which means that you're the brother of this other Vadis guy who's a criminal. And that's why you're involved. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and and we also learned that he came back to Greece and is running the scam in the U.S., I guess, with the Papadopoulos family and that whole mm -hmm. Fotini agency and everything. Mm -hmm. Then he learned about the smuggling operation from his brother, who had been working with Constantine, so he found it out from Constantine, and says that he is the one who stole the mosaics from the monastery and the one who put the snake in the apple basket because he wanted to get rid of Isikos and... As we learned, that's who the apples were originally intended for. And she even says that the symbol must have been your idea. And we know that that's true, even though we have no reason to believe that. Right. Um, and then later, Helen, with her very, very measly amount of inheritance that she managed to scrape together from what whatever was left over from what they stole from her uncle, um, she still managed to have enough that she could spare enough money to buy a brand new super yacht. Um, and... We all go for a ride on at the end, and she makes this big announcement that she has decided to name the boat the Nancy Drew out of, um, you know, gratitude for everything that Nancy has done for her. The end. Oh, my God. So let me just, like, let me just try to get this straight yeah. in my head. Mm -hmm. So, I, <laughs> yeah, that's as far as you get. Where, so, where do you even start? <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. That's all there is to get straight. So there is this ring of smugglers who is stealing mm -hmm. artifacts from museums and mm -hmm. then selling them in jewelry stores after they have melted them down, stamped them, <laughs> and made a duplicate of it. They're selling them in these stores to then um, have them shipped out <laughs> and then repackaged in some way from another third country to then, then be shipped into the U.S. And, and sold there for, I guess, a higher value. But then also... The people that are doing this is brothers with the guy who did <laughs> lawyer work for the Fotini agency who helps, I guess, like uh, families get connected with pen pals who give them cash in the mail. Mm -hmm. And then 
stole money from that too. Mm -hmm. And then Nancy learns all of this because some guy in a hallway threw a stamp at her. Mm -hmm. Is that right? I think that's it. Okay, great. (laughs) Yeah, I think you got it. (laughs) Great. Okay. So Uh, uh, that was the big symbol mystery. It was. What a mystery indeed. Um, Very mysterious. Well, I've I've certainly never read a more mysterious Nancy Drew book. Uh, To this to this day, I still don't understand it. Mm. (laughs) So mysterious. That's high praise compared to what this book deserves. (laughs) I just, I mean, okay. So by this point, if you haven't actually read this book, you probably understand why it's so confusing. Um, Your summary was a lot more coherent than the book. I did my best. If any of this made sense and you're like, guys, that totally, like the summary all, I get it. I Like the book can't be that bad. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. I did my best to make the most sense out of it for you so that you you were as successful as anyone could ever be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, it's so confusing. It doesn't make any sense. I think, you know, I think that the mystery itself would not be so bad or would not be at least out of the norm from what we get in most Nancy Drew books and being like, you know, oh, weirdly, these guys decided to do this. And then they, you know, as far as like the crime goes. Um, But I think the thing that makes it so just unreadable is the fact that we as the reader don't get any explanation for any of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's all well and good to say like, okay, well, this is a really unrealistic crime. That happens over the course of, like, almost all of the mystery stories sure, that yeah. I can remember. It's like, okay, so these people are just making fake antiques and selling It's just, mm. it's always, it's always weird and random. And, and they also weirdly randomly connect to multiple mysteries that Nancy ends up putting together very coincidentally, right? Mm-hmm. But at least in those, we understand where Nancy is going and why and what it is she's doing and why. Even if it isn't the most, um, even if a lot of it is coincidence, even if she's not doing a whole lot to get there, it's being kind of fed to her. At least we understand Nancy's goals. We understand her motivation. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't get that in this book. No. We don't get any understanding of what Nancy is doing and why. We don't get an understanding of where we are. We don't get an understanding of who we're talking to, who the bad guys are, even really what the mysteries are that we're investigating. We don't know any of that until after the fact. And and, and the way that they present it is like, well, you're supposed to have known it. Like, you should have known it. Mm -hmm. It's like, what the heck? The heck? This was so rough. That's why. Yeah, that's why it's so bad, you know, because like, you know, we can talk about plot holes and we can talk about all of that. But I think and and we talk about, you know, weird crimes and and, you know, all these coincidences and, and everything. But at the core of it, the thing that makes it so bad is that the. I don't know, author, editor, whoever you want to attribute it to publisher they they don't make any attempt to bring the reader along in the mystery Mm -hmm. which is honestly like the whole point of a book like like (laughs) you're not making a mystery for the mystery's sake you're making it to present it to an audience 
The mystery is supposed to be, you know, an actual mystery that Nancy's solving, not this information that Nancy knows and is keeping it a mystery from us as a as yeah. the reader. Like the she reader knows a lot to, more than we it's, do. It's a story for the reader, mm-hmm. right? It's not for Nancy, so it doesn't matter what Nancy knows. Like it matters what the reader knows. Yeah, I shouldn't That's be more curious about what Nancy's <laughs> keeping a secret than I am about the actual artifacts being stolen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. Anyway. Mm. Um, on a completely side note, um, <laughs> I think Helen and Carson have a thing. I was going to say, <laughs> is this going somewhere? <laughs> That's fine. Okay, because let me find it. There's, um, there's a point where, um, he gets there. Hold on. Let me find it. Um... Okay, it's in chapter 18. So, yeah, because it's very soon after Carson gets there. Um, and he's talking about how he and Helen um, need to go do this thing. Yeah, so he says, perhaps Helen and I ought to pay a visit to Mr. Battis to try to, like, get him uh, basically to confess. And that's fine with me, Helen said. She smiled at the attorney, who responded with equal warmth in his eyes. Nancy glanced from one to the other. Dad, should I go too? She asked, trying to suppress a feeling that she might be an intruder. Ah! No, dear. That won't be necessary, her father answered. He wants her to be gone. And then also, I'll just say too, something else I noticed. At the end of the book, Helen doesn't call him Mr. Drew. She calls him Carson. That's telling. She calls him by his first name. Very telling. That's amazing. Oh my god. <laughs> um, we don't know Helen's age, but I kind of assumed that she was nearer to Nancy's age than to Carson's, but that's not that may not be the case. You know, she may be older, I don't know. But... I kind of read this as she was more Carson's friend than anything. Okay. And... Know, that's the thing. I wish we had gotten more introduction to Helen. Obviously, all we know at the very beginning is that I mean not at the very beginning, along the way, is that yeah, that Carson that Helen is somehow like a family friend of Carson and Nancy and Carson's just helping her with this inheritance issue like she's a client of his or something if you're gonna tease all that and give us all that (laughs) we need more information about Helen we need it to like go somewhere we need something to happen you can't just have this little flirty moment and then drop it and then she's just calling him Carson for the rest of the book no we need some more information (laughs) also okay I know that that's her name is Helen Nicholas I know that she is not Helen Archer. I know. But, or Helen Corning slash Helen Archer. Yeah, of course. But why would we reuse the name Helen? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a very common name, especially for this time. But I mean, yeah, but there's like a lot of different choices. Anne, Emily, Rachel. Like, so many common, basic white girl names like Helen. Like, why would we reuse the name Helen, a very famous character, in the Nancy Drew series. To be fair, she hasn't else? been she hasn't been like featured in one of the books for a long time by this sure. point. But you're right. It's not like we have other Besses and Georges and other no. Neds in this the series. No. Why would we duplicate a Helen? That's interesting. And I know that she's supposed to be Greek. Like clearly her last name is Nicholas. And I know that she lives in the US, so you know, maybe you know, her parents have given her a more Anglo name mm-hmm. or whatever. Why wouldn't we just give her a Greek name? Although I wonder if, like, 
the Nicholas being the last name because it's the Nico Shipping Company. I wonder if that is also an Americanized version of the name. And so maybe it's just that her parents Americanized their name and wanted to have her have like more of a U.S. Sure. Because, I mean, there's a lot of like Hellenistic stuff associated with with Greece, but. But Okay, but then why wouldn't we give her the name Helene? Like, let's just name her Helene. That's a pretty name, either way. It is a beautiful name. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, speaking in a, of Americans and Americanization, let's just talk about yeah. the American entitlement oh in this God. book. Okay. How they just assume everyone will cater to them as Americans, how everyone will automatically be able to converse with them in English and are not happy when someone cannot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think the thing or uh, the plot point that typifies this for me so much is a plot point that I really skimmed over because it, it literally, it doesn't matter at all. They spend way too much time on it for, mm. you know, what this book is actually supposed to be about, but it's when Bess gets pickpocketed at the Acropolis mm-hmm. and then they try to track down the little boy who stole it from her. They end up going to like, um, an exchange like place where mon- where money is exchanged, currencies are exchanged, um, and because obviously a lot of Bess's uh, money in her wallet was U.S. dollars, mm-hmm. and they assumed after they reported it to the police that whoever it was would attempt to go to get it exchanged into Greek currency, right? Um, and so they go to all these different places, and they end up going to one where they see a little boy kind of on his own, seems like. And Bess is like, that's it. That's the boy who stole my money. And they, like, Bess, like, goes up to him and, like, grabs him and, like, mm-hmm. shakes him and is like, give me back my money. And, but Be- Nancy and Beth or Nancy and George both go up to her and are like, are you sure that's him? And she's like, yes, it looks just like him. And George's like, are you, are you sure? I'm pretty sure that little boy was wearing, like, different color shirt or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bess is like, no, I'm sure, but ends up, but, like, that's definitely not the boy. And he's right. actually there with his mom and and all this. And, and Bess is just like, oh, it was a mistake. And they just leave. But That's like, so concerning. I'm sorry, like, if if that, if I was that Greek woman and some white lady was, like, shaking my child, accusing him of theft, and then just, like, oh, my mistake, and leaves, I would be so pissed mm-hmm. off. You can't like, assault a child like that. Don't put your hands on my child. Like, what the heck? And I, okay, I will say that, like, in the book, it's not presented that Bess is doing, like, the greatest thing with that. Sure. But she doesn't get nearly any kind of, like, reprimand or not from the mom. We don't even get to see the mother. George and Nancy only gently try to be like, hey, I don't know if that's him. Mm-hmm. They don't say, hey, don't touch him or, like, hey, let's go away. Like, you know, like, none of them. They don't try to break it up. They're just like, oh, it was a mistake and they just leave. Even if it was him, you shouldn't be grabbing a no, child and shaking no, them like that. No. Goodness. I mean, also, I think, uh, I mean, okay. Now, listen, I know that stealing is wrong. I know that, like, whenever, that you are a victim of a crime when you have been pickpocketed, your money, your purse has been stolen. I I get it. And I understand why you would even want to go report that and why you would want to pursue it. But it just seems to me that, like, you're going to a foreign country (laughs) and your money gets stolen. That sucks. It totally sucks. Um... I don't think that you have the right as a foreigner to come in and be like, I expect someone to like follow up on this on my behalf, you know, 
Like, it just doesn't seem like that's a right that you have as someone who isn't a citizen of that country. Right. And, and the way that they go about going to the police and, and just like following up on this crime themselves, because it doesn't seem like the police think that they can do anything about it. Um, just feels very much like they feel like that they have a right to pursue justice in that country in a way that I don't think you do. Yeah. Like, like, I'm sorry, but like, it's not your, it is not your place to investigate a little boy who stole your money. Yeah. Like, it just feels very, it just, it feels very entitled. It does. Yeah. You know, things are handled, things are going to be handled differently depending on where you go. That's, Mm -hmm. you don't have, you know, you don't have an idea of what that procedure is going to be like. Don't take it into your own hands. Right. Especially because now you've assaulted a child. Yes. (laughs) Why are you committing crimes in foreign countries? Mm -hmm. That's not a good idea, Bess. Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, so like everywhere they go, it's like they are expected to be treated better because they are tourists right um and it's just wild um like like being able to get on a freighter like why you don't have any even as not a tourist you don't have a right to get on some random freighter and then expect the freighter to stop for you and just let you off like it's just 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 so just an uh, an arrogant approach. And it's like, well, okay, so this is why people don't like Americans. <laughs> <laughs> Arrogance is absolutely the word for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, mm. I don't know, getting stung by a jellyfish and having to be rescued by a Greek life car. It's just like, girls, like, get it together. <laughs> get it together. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, let's see. What else? Oh, you have a oh. comment about the British government? Yes! So, yes, okay. So they go, is it, they go to the Acropolis? I forget where they go. Oh, I gotta find it now. Um, and they have this whole conversation. Okay, yes, so they're going to the Acropolis. They go in. Um, there's the Parthenon. Um, George is talking about the columns. Then, okay, Nancy Skates traveled to the north side where a magnificent colonnaded hall had once overlooked the old marketplace. You know, a number of sculptures were taken from here in the early 1800s, she remarked. Were they stolen? (laughs) Were they stolen? Bess asked instantly. No, no. Lord Elgin, who was the British ambassador in Turkey at the time, received permission from the government to remove the pieces. Athens was then part of the Turkish Empire. Bess's expression remained quizzical. What did Elgin do with the sculptures? She inquired further. He sold them to Great Britain, which in turn placed them in the British Museum in London. I'm sure Greece got the proper financial compensation for those items, too. Every Mm -hmm. last cent. Yeah, I'm Mm -hmm. sure. I just, I mean, wow. Like, I... (laughs) Oh, they weren't stolen. They were stolen legally by the British government. Excellent. <laughs> I just thought that that was hilarious. Excellent little um, uh, disclaimer. <laughs> they do. So they do also happen to mention that um, George mentions that 
other statues were also recently removed by the Greek government. Mm -hmm. And Nancy says, yeah, because of pollution and the fact that tourists had started to chip off marble for mementos. So at least there's, there's a little bit in there about maybe why people don't like American tourists or any tourists, um, ruining their, you know, their history. But, um, yeah, just so wild (laughs) that that's the perspective. Um, yeah. Another very telling thing about just American attitudes and Mm -hmm. how things Mm -hmm. work when we go abroad. Yeah. 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 Okay. (laughs) I do have one more thing that I just realized and that there is just, you know, to note for, you know, the way that we track this throughout the books. Um, there is a nasty comment that George makes about Bess, um, here. Mm -hmm. They're eating a picnic, I think, or they're, no, they're eating at the Papadopoulos family home. And then they're on the way back. Um, and on their way back to Athens, Nancy and George praised Bess extravagantly. Um, isn't, is, it's the first time you didn't go for a second helpings, George teased. Oh. Now that you've started the diet, how about sticking to it? Bess did not retort. Poor Bess. Poor Bess. (laughs) My God. George is also, not that it's as important, but every time Bess, like, talks about something she wants to buy, like a souvenir, George is critical. And it's like, you yeah. don't really need Haven't that. Haven't you spent, spent enough money? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'm sorry. We're in Greece. We're on vacation. You, do you think I'm going to come back here to buy this? Like, no, I get this one chance. One yeah. time. Uh, yeah, I just don't. It's not like y'all have combined finances, no. George. She can spend her, home, her own money how she wants to. It's just, it. I, I do think, so I just wanted to make a note of it because of the fact that we are, you know, trying to keep track of those moments throughout so that we can see how they change, right? I'm surprised that this was something that they decided that to kind of highlight and do in a book in 1981, even. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels really, it feels like at that point in time, not that diet culture and all of that had really greatly improved i know like you know it's still really bad um but it just seems like maybe that would have been handled a little bit differently mm-hmm. than than that but yeah just in general i just don't understand why we have to make best the character that gets constantly crapped on mm-hmm. um for pretty much just every choice that she makes you know, with the eating and the, you know, dating a lot and buying stuff and liking clothes and makeup, boys and all that stuff. It just seems to me like we are choosing to hate on a quote unquote, traditionally girly feminine character. Mm -hmm. And I just feel so bananas to me for a book series that seems to have been created to cater to girls mm-hmm. um, and girls' interests. And it's like, well, yes, you know, we want to appreciate um, and, you know, stand up for girl power or whatever, but not that kind of girl. Mm-hmm. You can't be basic. If you're basic, we don't want you. Um, it's like that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it seems like the messages they're giving, and it's really crappy. It's really crappy. It is, yeah. So. 
What a shame that we couldn't get rid of it by this yeah. point. I know, obviously, we've read later books in the series that are just as bad with mm-hmm. body shaming and, and comments yeah. like that. But it yeah. just it's such a shame that even in the 80s, we couldn't get away from it. I know that in the 30s, that was socially acceptable. Fat mm-hmm. jokes were considered funny at the time. Doesn't mean it was okay at the time. It was still hurtful at the time. It was just mm-hmm. more socially acceptable. And somehow we just continued this same trope without being, I don't know, without taking a step back and looking at it until what feels like the early 2000s even. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. really, really a shame that we couldn't think about it at any point in time, Mm -hmm. especially for this. Yeah. Yeah. I realized too something else that I wanted to talk about that I hadn't made specific notes about, but that I had thought about kind of a lot when reading this book is how much this book is actually about class. Um, Mm. And I think that's, that kind of really ties into how I was feeling about, you know, this whole like tourism thing and the girls acting entitled. Um, It's very much framed as like them being wealthy and acting wealthy and doing wealthy people things and investigating wealthy people's, uh, you know, crimes against wealthy people. Um, and it has a lot to do with money and even like the smuggling ring is about, right. Like stealing money and like, like essentially like profiting off of like fake artifacts. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, it's essentially like acting like you're a class that you're not right. Mm -hmm. That's really what that, that crime is, you know, is about and, you know, stealing money from, Oh, the poor Papadopoulos family. But then what ends up happening to essentially get them to quote unquote, make money and bring them up to a higher class because they're more deserving. Um, we're actually going to get them involved in a business where we control their money. Um, yes, we like- didn't even talk about this. This <laughs> felt so exploitative. Like instead yeah. of just continuing to give the payments that Mrs. Thompson had been giving them. No, it's, you're going to work for me and do mm-hmm. as I say and make all these embroidery projects that I'm going to set the price for. And I'm going to import mm-hmm. because you couldn't sell them here in your own community yourself mm-hmm. Ah! Mm-hmm. sorry I interrupted you too no 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 that's exactly the point that like I was trying to make um but I also think it's interesting too the fact that um it's very specifically stated that uh, Mrs. Thompson is giving money in the first place to this family in order to pay for one of their children's education as if just giving money to this family for any other reason would not be quote-unquote worth it right um, like if she was just paying for like food or whatever it was that they needed, like, no, 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 it has to be for a way to, for them to better themselves because right. otherwise it's just a waste of money. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So I think that's another reason why this book is so... <laughs> I'm trying to think of a different word, but the word I just want to say is bad. Um, I think that's, I think that's one of the reasons why this book does not, uh, that I do not like this book as much as I've liked other Nancy Drew books, because I think there is just a, what a total, just like disregard to the reader, um, Mm -hmm. in the creation of this book. But I also think that it's written from a perspective of, um, a classist perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah that's my review <laughs> i like it even worse after having done the summary now yeah yeah mm. so flashlight score oh thank goodness it's over with now what <laughs> <laughs> yes my score would also be one yes so. Yeah, yeah. Like I said before, I said before, and I stick to it. I do think that this is probably the worst Nancy Drew book I've ever read. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? There has to be one that is my least favorite. There has to be a worst one. There has there to has be a worst one. And so hopefully now moving forward, all of them will be better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to assume that that's the case. Mm-hmm. They're all going to be better than this one. Yeah. Which brings us to our next episode, um, episode 77, mm-hmm. which is a very, I love that number, 77. It's a mm-hmm. great number. Um, is actually going to be um, another Nancy Drew Digest. It's going to be number 69, <laughs> Clue in the Ancient Disguise. Very nice. Um, I also have one with a um, Ruth Sanderson illustration yes. on it. Um, so I'm very excited to read this one. Um, ooh, it's got illustrations on the inside too. Uh, God, look at that. So good. Oh my They're gosh. So good. So detailed too. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, like a good cool. little, oh no. <laughs> very different from like the, the line drawings from the original 56. Well, mm-hmm. not even all of them have internal illustrations, but yeah. I mean, okay. Look at Nancy's face here. I'm trying to get my camera to focus. Look at that. Oh, wow. Gorgeous. Yeah. What a beautiful image. Very richly illustrated there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yes. So I'm very excited to get to read this one. I guess I'll read the back really quickly for y'all because I actually don't even know what this one is about yet. Um, Nancy is asked to help a young French engineer who has uncovered a mystery surrounding an 18th century ancestor in a letter found among his grandfather's papers. Okay. As the young detective attempts to solve one mystery, she also investigates a series of strange incidents at the River Heights Arts Institute. Although nothing is ever taken, the institute is plagued with burglaries. Undaunted by attempts to stop her, Nancy uses her incredible sleuthing skills to follow the mysterious clues, including an amazing find in an old costume and unravel this intriguing tale. That is like the worst back cover I think I've ever read. Whoever read <laughs> needs to do better like the undaunted by attempts to stop her nancy uses her incredible sleuthing skills to follow the mysterious clues that's like you that's every nancy drew book yeah (laughs) although the components are there sounds promising sounds promising (laughs) um but overall sounds good sounds like we're gonna have a um a mystery close to home this time for it Mm -hmm. um so coming back from greece we're we're home now um so yeah hopefully it won't be quite as many um you know nancy being awful and weird in a foreign country Mm. so yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i'm excited for that and i guess we will see you next time regular drews yeah join us then Thank you for listening to Regular Nancy Drew. Email us at regularnancydrew at gmail.com. If you like this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at regularnancydrew and Twitter at regularnd. You can also support us on Patreon. 
Patrons at the $3 level vote on upcoming episode topics and get exclusive access to our Scoop Sesh series. And all patrons receive early access to each episode as well as weekly bonus content. And to all you regular Drews out there, thanks for listening. listening.